What's going on, children of the corn? Zach here. I'm doing our weekly read for Manscaped. Um, fabulous company. Uh, fabulous products from the Lawnmower 4.0 to the Weed Whacker, the Crop Preserver to... Those are the main things I've used. Um, the Lawnmower 4.0, absolutely fabulous. Water proof i believe as well so um definitely get yourself one uh the performance package 4.0 is what they sent over to us so um highly 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 recommended also if you use our promo code corn church you get 20 percent off as well as expedited shipping as well i think i got mine in like two days so um absolutely phenomenal plus if you get the performance package you also get a pretty badass travel bag as well as a set of boxers and i think a t-shirt as well so um highly 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 recommend them um once again 20 percent off as well as expedited shipping if you use our promo code corn church so ladies and gentlemen be sure to take advantage of it and uh enjoy the show have a good one, everybody. Religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. The doors are open and the hymnals are in the pews. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Church of the Corn. We are brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing here on 1620 The Zone. Members of the congregation, you may be seated. That's right, don't mess with your radio dials. It's not Zach leading today's service. It's Church of the Corn worship leaders today are Drake at Drake before Degrassi and me, Fitz at Corn underscore Huskers. Phone calls are always welcome at 402-951-1620. And you can also join the conversation at Church Corn Church Podcast, Corn Church PDCST on Twitter to discuss anything we are talking about this morning. Drake, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well, Deacon Fitz. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I, uh, I think I'm exuberating too much confidence sitting in this seat. Um, it is we'll a little have have... weird having you in seat one. Yeah, I, this, this, I'm a little taller. My shoulders are sitting back a little bit. Uh, probably be a little bit of a fight to... Uh, Get me out of this seat when Zach comes back, but we obviously know how that's going to go. Can we pay-per-view that fight? Um, it wouldn't be worth the time. <laughs> Not even a commercial spot. Because you'd win. Hands uh, down. Hands down. Yeah, I'd win. Wink, wink. All right. So here's the bulletin. Oh, and forgive me. Mr. Conrad, how are you doing on this cloudy, dreary, but awesome Saturday morning? Not too shabby, fellas. Not too shabby. Conrad, are you going to go to Dundee Days after this? I am not going to go to Dundee Days after this. What about you, Andy? Um, No. Yeah, me either. I've got a big day planned. Probably a little Home Depot, a little Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm going to take a nap. All right, Frank the Tank. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Maybe a little streaking later yeah. in the quad. All right. Okay. Well, here's the uh, got that honeydew list. Here's the bulletin for today's service of Church of the Corn. We'll start with news of the day. Eight fifteen. We're going to continue our big scripture talk, and we're going to break down the fighting Fitzgeralds, Northwestern. 
8.30, final fall camp storylines, and boy, are there a couple of doozies to get into. Um, at 8.45, we're going to go through some position group breakdowns. As always, at 9.30, we're going to talk with recruiting expert on threes, Brian Munson, and then at 9.45, we're going to gather around for just a little special talk with the members of the congregation. Shall we get going, Drake? Let's get after it. All right. So coming out at the end of the week, Big Ten reaches seven-year media rights deal with CBS, Fox, and NBC for football and bro- basketball game broadcasting through 2029 and the 30 season. So let's let's break this down. Fox will air a featured big noon game on Saturdays. Uh, with CBS following at 3.30 p.m., and then NBC wrapping up each week with Big Ten Saturday night in primetime. When USC and UCLA join the Big Ten in 2024, each of the big 16 Big Ten schools will receive an average of $75 million annually from these media rights. doesn't include college football playoff, bowl games, uh, revenue, NCAA tournament, because all of that can vary from school to school. All of this is typically backloaded, so we're going to see the big, big returns in the final years of the agreements. Drake, thinking about this, what does this do for the Big Ten brand and the discussion around conference realignment? Man, that's such a loaded question. You would ask it that way. Um, I think this is great for the Big Ten, obviously. The thing that surprises me the most is it the same dollar amount as the SEC Network's TV deal, but we're using three networks. And it's also going to include some streaming services in there, like Peacock, which is owned by NBC. Uh, I think because it has multiple networks, multiple ways to watch, and w- the Big Ten is now going to own each of those networks' primetime slot. It's like Fox's own Big Noon uh cbs has owned that afternoon and then nbc getting that primetime night game i think it's just going to get more eyes on the big 10 than before because usually sec had one of those games big 12 had one of those games so while i i'm surprised that the the dollar figures are the exact same as the sec deals i i think it's better for the big 10 than what the sec got well and the crazy part is starting next season the big 10 will have some games on CBS while SEC has games. SEC generally starts their season on CBS only in week three. And so having the Big Ten there, some people are just going to be going back to that, and then they'll probably go away mm-hmm. um, You know, on those games. I know for personally for me, I'm going to have to reprogram everything to unblock NBC because of Notre Dame in the fall. Yep. But I think at this point in time, it's, it's, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, it's warranted. Does this, so kind of going back to the conference realignment, Notre Dame, Independent, NBC. We all understand that it's been that way for years. Is this another push for Notre Dame to join the Big Ten sooner rather than later? I feel like it is. I I honestly feel like NBC got in on this as kind of a way to force Notre Dame into a conference. NBC, Notre Dame, they kind of had that thing for forever, right? And we all understand it. NBC doesn't want to lose Notre Dame. 
so they aligned with who they felt Notre Dame fit best with. That that's just me reading the tea leaves. There's nothing written. There, you know, there, we this is all guesswork at best. But really, Notre Dame is looking at three options: Big Ten, ACC, SEC. Notre Dame does not fit either of those other two conferences from a football standpoint. They they do fit the ACC basketball wise. But there's nothing that would prevent them from fitting the Big Ten basketball-wise. So, and even though Notre Dame had a pretty good baseball team the last couple of years, they definitely don't belong in the ACC or SEC on a baseball level regularly. So, I feel like this is NBC's way of saying, hey, Notre Dame, this is where you belong. We already have this great TV package with you. We just enhanced our TV package with who we feel is one of the premier conferences come with us come with us well and and there's nothing to say that there couldn't be secondary deals uh, especially with with peacock peacock premium and notre dame for some of their other sports things like that because i don't believe that there's anyone in the big 10 that would say you know what no this deal's pretty good let's let's just keep going without notre dame that just inflates it even more the money yeah. is there to be had and surprisingly so and let's give you know kudos where they're due to to kevin warren two and a half years into his tenure got this deal done yeah this you know this totally changes the perception of him at least from nebraska fans i i would imagine uh you know we we've had our our gripes with him but i'll tell you i'm i'm super surprised notre dame has not joined the big 10 yet uh, their president, John Jenkins, is actually born here in Omaha. His family's here in Omaha. It's just totally surprising to me that he is he hasn't kind of put his foot down and said, hey, we're going to get left out if we don't make this move. I think probably, again, do I know anything about anything? No, we all understand that. But you know that there's talks going on behind the scenes because for the most part, a lot of us, just as as fans were probably surprised with the USC UCLA news when it dropped, how it happened, but that had probably been developing for a long, long time. Over a year, they, you know, they 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 use that idea of the alliance with the Pac-12 is almost just like a yeah, you know, come on over, we can hang out a little bit, and <laughs> then boom, they went for the friends. So you know, it's not not a bad situation. It'll be interesting for sure to see how it how it ends up but um do you imagine give me a time timeline prediction on when you think notre dame becomes part of the big 10 i think i don't think there is any news on them dropping before halfway through this season uh, of them joining any conference i i think they really want to hold out as long as they can it's become kind of a pride thing you know, there was a point in time where they did try and join the Big Ten decades ago, and the Big Ten kind of pooed pooed them. And now it's kind of a bad look for the Big Ten. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Now we're kind of begging them. We're rolling out the red carpet. We're doing everything we can to get them in. And, you know, they seem a little spiteful about it. Well, we'll definitely have to kind of keep an eye on that and see uh where this goes all things notre dame and the big 10 keeping with television and the media fox announced friday that urban meyer yes that urban meyer was rejoining big noon kickoff 
confirming reports from April about the ex-Jacksonville Jaguars and college football coach returning to television. Drake, he couldn't handle the grind that was the NFL. Do you think he can handle the return to broadcasting? Yeah, he he has the persona to handle it, no matter how much gripe he gets. You know, he's had he's had a lot of bad publicity the last few years between everything that happened with his wide receiver coach while he was at Ohio State. I don't know if you're familiar with you know the kind of hit piece journalism that came out with him about his time at Florida Florida and then. Ohio State, you know, he had that running back whose quad literally exploded at Florida during a weightlifting session. Uh, if you, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, you, it's pretty easy to find on Google. Uh, and now he is also head of their NIL department at Ohio State with former quarterback Shotgun 12, you know, the guy who enjoyed going to the children's hospital and beating kids in NCAA football <laughs> unbelievably bad video game uh, correct yeah okay. yeah okay we yeah. just had to clarify that going to a <laughs> not, hospital not physically beating, beating okay but yeah, yeah. no he took uh, a turn right there very I, dark turn, i think Drake. i think he beat a kid in the hospital in the video game a hundred to nothing well, ohio state does that to uh, some big 10 teams yeah. as well so, so it, you know it's built into the culture that yeah he he I did don't love he, it though i don't he, love him on the air he did a good job he's i mean he knows his stuff but there's just this kind of almost kind of militant just kind of talking at you a little bit feel and instead of with you um you know they bob stoops is is gone uh, he's back at the university helping in at oklahoma helping in some capacity it'll definitely be interesting we're all going to be watching it now especially you know when nebraska plays oklahoma the fourth game of the season so we're going to be tuned in so at least at that on that week we're going to find out you know how he's doing so did he find a new migraine medicine that I have no idea, and we'll hopefully have to just keep an eye on his health. But I did. I found a great one recently. But <laughs> well, we were... Urban, give me a shout out if you need something. That is that is fantastic. So we're going to take a break and collect ourselves and get ready for the big scripture. We're going to break down the Northwestern Wildcats here on sixteen twenty the zone. Make sure you join us after the break. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Boss State Farm Insurance on 1620 The Zone. Grab your scripture notes as we dive into our next team breakdown in the big scripture, where we preach the gospel about other teams in the Big Ten. This week, we're breaking down the Northwestern Wildcats. Northwestern is looking to bounce back and regain some of the stability they've shown over the past few years in the Big Ten West. Can they do it this year? What is it going to take? Let's start with the offense. Better quarterback play, vital to the success of the Wildcats, Drake. Think it's possible that Ryan Belinsky, entering his second season, can take Northwestern to where they want to be. I I have probably a weird opinion on this, but... Well, you have an opportunity to share it. You have a yeah. microphone. There's airwaves. Go for it. When it comes to Northwestern, uh, w- no matter who the quarterback has been, I have felt that quarterback play is 
largely irrelevant for the way that they are built. Um, they the quarterback has to be semi semi mobile. The other we were watching the preseason in here the other night, and uh, gosh, why can't I think of the kid's name that came from Northwestern that's still bouncing around the league as a quarterback? Trevor Simeon. I it amazes me that Trevor Simeon's still on an NFL roster. Because I I wasn't impressed with him at Northwestern. I haven't been impressed with anything he's done in the league. Uh, but he's smart and can pick up a playbook. So, obviously, that's a big factor. Their quarterback just can't lose them games. And the way they're built, it's really hard for the quarterback to lose them a game anyways. The running game is what makes them go and in their defense. And Pat Fitzgerald is a great coach by making the most important position on the field the least important in his game planning. And that's, you know, you you touched on a couple things. We're actually going to try to get to all of those. I agree. You've got, with Holinsky, your prototypical game manager. Nobody ever wants to be called that, but that's really what that quarterback in that system is. They need to rely on the run game. Now, he did finally have a winter uh, conditioning offseason with with the team, spring ball, and now he's coming in. So maybe that propels him to, to be a little bit uh, better and um, more functional for that team. But you hit on it with the offense. The run game is has to be, is most likely going to remain the strength of the Wildcats offense. Fitzgerald said, it's a really special group of guys. The backs are going to give us a chance to be highly competitive. The backs he's talking about, Evan Hull, who rushed for 1,009 yards last year as the starter, and then they also get Cam Porter back from his season-ending ACL injury. Is the running game enough on that side of the ball to keep Northwestern competitive, knowing that some stadiums actually cut their grass and don't water it up until kickoff? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Northwestern, I, they're, they're so hard to judge. Uh, I'm reading here from Athlon's outlook on them. From 2008 to 2017, they were one of college football's most consistently solid programs, averaged 7.7 wins during that stretch, peaking with three 10-win seasons and never falling below five victories. The past four seasons have alternated between the their most notable achievements, two division titles, one top 10 finish, and poorest records of three and nine, and last year finishing 12th in the Big Ten and points allowed. I think their running backs are good. Uh, and they have a chance to be to be a good group and keep them competitive. I just don't think Northwestern has done enough to, to upgrade. Everybody in the Big Ten is getting so much better at a, at a faster clip, in my opinion, that, quite honestly, I feel like Pat, Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald should have taken that NFL job a couple of years ago when when teams were coming calling because he is slow to adapt the right way to describe it. He's, I was kind of thinking along the same lines. It's, it's not, I don't know if it's slow to adapt. I don't, I just think, and I don't even know if, if saying stuck in his ways, he has a formula. He has a way that he believes his team should play and can play. It obviously starts on the defensive side of the ball. It also, really falls heavily on heart, desire, tradition, you know, compete, you know, that mindset, that mentality. 
but it's at, at some point in time, all things being equal, your Maryland, your Rutgers, Illinois, coming up, getting better on in different positions, getting more athletic, transfer portal where they're not, you know, that, people that's aren't exactly busting it. down the doors. Those doors are wide open. And it's it's about as 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 busy as one of Conrad's god garage sales. <laughs> Nobody is showing up. So it, it, that's exactly it. He seems disinterested in getting athletic, more athletic, getting bigger, getting faster. He he wants to play very old school. He, he's trying to model himself after Wisconsin, but not recruiting. At the clip that Wisconsin to, does. Yeah. Now, he's got a couple couple uh, All-American potential linemen. Um, they've got some opportunities there. But, again, you know, I just don't know if they have those p- those pieces on offense. You know, he, he is. He's, 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 being, he's, wa- he's wanting to show and remember our grandfather's Big Ten. Mm-hmm. It's just not the way that it, it is. Now, I think they if they go out and get a good tight end. Th- that makes all the difference in the world. And maybe they have a guy hidden on this roster that I don't know about, like a Jake Ferguson from, from Wisconsin. There's a better than good chance that there are people that are Northwestern fans that don't know who right. that would be. It's, and beat writers. <laughs> exactly. It's it's such a, a, a crazy team to to break down, like you said. There's just you don't get a lot out. You know, it's not, you know, it's 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 there, it's on the schedule. And and again, we always fall back to this. Nebraska fans, we don't have much room to talk because what are we, maybe 500 against them in our time in the plus or minus mm-hmm. one or yeah. six? I don't know. you know. But And they always play us tough, even when we are significant. We, we have significantly more talent every year. Yeah. Now, last year, they were down, and that was big time. They, just, they had fallen, fallen off hard. Nebraska put it all together that game, walk away 56-7. to seven. Obviously, we know what's what's happening in in seven days. They're going to kick off in um, in Ireland, so that will be interesting. We'll get into more Nebraska stuff as we go through this morning's show into the next week. We know what the offense for the Huskers can be. How about the defense for um, the Northwestern Wildcats? Do they have much that can slow what we perceive as a what the I don't Scoring know. explosion of 83 just because of the alternate uniforms. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if – I think their defensive line will be solid. I don't know that they have any, you know, elite defensive linemen that we have to be afraid of, but they're all going to go out and do their job. Their linebacker room is always, one, of, in my opinion, one of the tops in the Big Ten. Now, that, that linebacker room looks better when the defensive line is humming along. I, I'm concerned about their depth on the defensive line. Uh, last year it was very inexperienced. This year it's more experienced, but I feel like there's less ready bodies. Uh, and, you know, they do tend to pump out a couple of guys from that secondary in the NFL every few years. Maybe this year they have a couple of guys hidden in there again. I just – Northwestern seems to me like they are about five years behind in this armed race of building up your football program. They they just you know built new facilities, but they don't seem real keen on the NIL stuff, which is now the most important part. Yes, Nebraska is building their new facilities, but we have also totally embraced the NIL, and we have our collective. We have open doors down in Lincoln, started by two former Huskers. It's 
they're just a little bit behind the eight ball there. And I think that is going to lead to more down seasons for Northwestern coming up than, than where they've been in the past. Well, put all that together. Last year, they, they were 89th in points allowed. The year before that, they were fifth in the nation. And you can kind of see their success where that fell. They did have uh, last year was uh, first season for coordinator Jim O'Neill. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald says it was more just of a communication and um, understanding of the language issue. It wasn't coaching. It wasn't players. Do we believe that? Do we buy that? I don't know. The best no. thing about this conversation, though, is in seven days, a week from today, we're going to be able to find out. And I would love for the Huskers to welcome Jim O'Neill to his second year with just a pounding. So that's the Northwestern Wildcats. The We'll, we'll put it on the field next week and see how it all shakes out. When we come back from paying some bills, we are going to dig into all things Husker football. Again, just seven days away from game number one. We'll be right back here on 1620 The Zone. Would you rather that your roof or siding last five years or 50 years? You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design, as well as FCC Trucking. It's now time to dig into the latest Husker football news. Don't hesitate to give us a call at 402-951-1620 to join the conversation. All right, members of the congregation, let's grab the trash cans. It's puking season. Get up and run, coach. You're going to puke like everybody else. Scott Frost told the media the offensive linemen are puking 15 to 20 times per practice. He followed it up saying it's not because they're out of shape. It's because first-year offensive line coach Donovan Rayola is working them so hard. So, Drake, does this, make, does this news make you want to throw up, or can you stomach it? I can stomach it, but the responses make me want to throw up. Are you talking about people responding to those that report what they hear in using those quotation marks and just sharing the coach's words and then responding, how dare you tell us that the offensive linemen are puking? That's part of it, but it, it also got picked up nationally. And the amount of people that are worried about the health of the student-athletes from throwing up regularly, first off, you have all been to college. You have all indulged in a little bit too much alcohol one night. But for most of college, it's several nights a week. And Fair. you're throwing up. It happens in college. I, when I played college basketball, I threw up almost every practice. And it's because you're chugging water every day. And I was underweight for my position. So I was always trying to gain weight. Offensive linemen are trying to manage their weight. Practices are usually directly after, after breakfast or lunch. Or if you're a guy trying to pack on weight, your hidden meal throughout the day that the training staff gives you. That's what I call it. Yeah. For me, I had to eat like six peanut butter and jelly sandwiches between every meal. It was crazy. I thought that was just on the car ride over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, it's so frustrating to me that with everything that we have. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
No, it it makes it fun. It's good conversation. You you have to believe that there's a little bit of of tongue in cheek. If some I I read something and it made perfect sense. Just think about it. There's probably 16 linemen on the roster practicing. If they all went over and were spitting up a little bit like a like a little baby and Riola was was holding them and rocking them and soothing <laughs> them. Now that would be a story. But yeah. going over to a trash can, getting rid of some water, you know, it's not I, I don't imagine that when when the defensive backs turned around and heard something at, at Hawks indoor field house that it looked like the scene from stand by me <laughs> i just i can't imagine that it was that bad i i just think there's there's it's almost he's kind of found a little personality yeah. he's he's doing stuff for a reason it's almost just like sometimes a big middle finger to everything like hey we're gonna be fine if if, if this is what you believe and you think it's gonna be that bad next week try us yeah i here's the thing let's pretend it's not tongue-in-cheek right Friend of the program, Dustin Schutte, reached, uh, retweeted another columnist tweet yesterday uh, who reached out to their friend who is a former Div- Division One lineman and showed a screenshot of the text thread. And this guy said, totally common in August for this to happen. You're, you're ramping up as fast as you can. I also think they're pro- this week in practice, they probably went a little bit harder so when they're over in Ireland, they can be a little bit lighter while they, you know, get used to their the recovering from the jet lag. So you are going a little bit harder this week in practice, pushing your limits. Uh and that's what that's what the last couple of weeks of August are for is to push the limits so you know how long those guys can go in games. You can see when they're getting exhausted and when you have to start rotating. This isn't something that's gonna go on for the whole year, but you have to know what each guy's limits is right before the game and i if they're if this quote is not tongue-in-cheek that's what's happening they are trying to find the limits push them to their limits make the guys realize they can go a little bit farther because you hear specifically special forces guys in the military talk about it all the time you can you can get through anything if you set your mind to it, it your mind is what holds you back the most and so teaching these guys that even when they're throwing up on the sideline that they can keep playing is is good for the team. I don't understand what the big deal is. Well, you mentioned Ireland. You mentioned preparing for that. And we talked about taking a lot of liquid in. Someone who's not drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid as the first kickoff this season draws near is Dave Hannigan of the Irish Times. Yep, that, those Irish Times, if you're like a lot of us, had no idea they existed, but... In what can be best described as a scathing hit piece about Nebraska, college football, and quote-unquote money grab that is playing across the pond, Dave Hannigan definitely utilized Google to its fullest for this article. Let's jump right in. What the hell, Drake? What was the point of this article? Oh, man. This guy. Get comfortable, ladies and gentlemen. Just tell us you hate American football. Just say it. Because a couple years ago, you also wrote an article about how Notre Dame's mascot needs to have his ass kicked because he makes the Irish look bad. Nobody thinks that the Notre Dame mascot, the leprechaun, is indicative of what you look like in Ireland or how you act. Like, 
Just just tell us you don't like American football and you're mad that American football is being played in your soccer stadium. See Lil Husker as an addendum to that. Carry on. Yeah, it's just... Lil Red, I, I my th- apologies. Yeah. Too little. And, you know, there's a ton of pubs over in Ireland that are super excited for the Nebraska fan base to get over there. Why is this guy not excited? Why? I, this is something that's good for... For Ireland, this is good for the sport of college football. I'm not crazy about the idea of it personally. I think it's – I hate when the NFL goes over to Europe. But this is the time that times that we're in. This is what's happening. Why I, – I don't understand the point of the article. You – to take across 30 years, the worst stories over those 30 years – Nothing about the Team Jack Foundation. No, nothing great that Nebraska has done. You just found all the worst articles over a 30-year period, tied them all together without any nuance. So much is left out of that. And just basically say, Nebraska doesn't deserve to be here. Nebraska doesn't deserve to come here. Fire Scott Frost. You have no idea what you're talking about because you had probably never heard of Nebraska Cornhuskers until six weeks ago. You clearly had no idea that this game was coming up. Yeah, it was. It, it's it's almost inexcusable. It's if, if it's an editorial, we get it. But like you said, digging up the worst of the worst and really not giving a lot of context to anything. I mean, and he started it. He kicked it off with the Maurice Washington stuff, which which was everybody knew about. It. It's not like it was hidden. The suspension was known. They dealt with it, and then. It was a probably less of the Huskers' decision. He just kind of worked his way out. Well, and, and Jason from Huskerland tweeted this out too. He leaves out in the Maurice Washington story. He talks about how Scott Frost put him back in in the second half. It was only a half-game suspension from the beginning. It's not like, oh, this game isn't going well. Let's throw in Maurice Washington. That's not what happened. It was a half-game suspension from the start. I just... You know, you. I don't know if he is this Dave Hannigan is you know sitting in a in a little cottage apartment on in somewhere in New Jersey, or if he actually lives and resides in Ireland, in Dublin. I just can't imagine that anyone over there he's that, in New York that has it. So he's in New York. Mm-hmm. He's based in New York. So he's not going right. He 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 might be as Irish as I am. It's just you you don't know, but why would anyone over there want to connect to this type of article when they're saying, welcome, come on over, come to our pubs, come to our establishments, buy our stuff, enjoy the the countryside, do all of that. It's just but I think we've we've all gotten to a place in 2022 where we understand what is journalism. We've had these conversation. What is clickbait? What is he did his job? Let's give him credit. There were more eyes on going that, to that website. And, and the, the funniest part for me is when you when I went to it and clicked on it and it said, you have two remaining articles. I literally said out loud, I won't be using those. Yeah. You know, it's just but it got me. It got me there. But and, you know, now you you kind of checked into it a little bit more to see what else he was writing. You found that other Notre Dame piece. I, I just. I mean, it, it's 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 what his job is. It it, it got us reading it. it it's, I'm it honestly has us surprised he it. didn't blame Nebraska for the Great Potato Famine. 
there was <laughs> there was that. I mean, that's he... in the follow up. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's still bitter over there. In series two, we break down why Nebraska, the Great Potato Famine, and the Great Depression. So yeah, I don't know. It's just the the fact that that's the avenue and the road he went down ten days before the the first game, which is going to be a boon for their economy. It's going to be fun. College football, you know it's going to get brought up more and more this week. I don't know. He just seems bitter that we call football football and European football soccer. He's still he's still upset about it. I, I don't even know what to say. I, I have no idea what to say. Well, Dave Hannigan. I call really, in, Dave. Give us a call. Let's <laughs> chat. I really hope you watch the game next week. Um, I really hope you put all your, your money – on Northwestern, and it's going to be over. In his eyes, this is Catholics versus convicts again, only no Catholic school, and nobody's really convicts, but that's what he thinks is coming. Might not be a bad way to get some eyeballs on the on the <laughs> screens. I don't think there's too many convicts running around at Northwestern. Just a, <laughs> just, a, just a hunch. All right. When we return to Church of the Corn radio show on 1620, we talk about the Huskers' position groups. Go ahead, refill your coffee, make yourself a Bloody Mary, but make sure you are back with us after the break. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Members of the congregation, welcome back to the Church of the Corn radio show here on 1620, brought to you by Rocky Stoner Design, as well as FCC Trucking. Let's tackle the position group, Drake. We'll go through each group and give a vote of confidence and a concern for the group. We're not going to include quarterbacks. It's our show. We can do that. We don't have to. We're and playing football without a quarterback. Doesn't matter if you want to call in and, and think it's a church show and it's not. We're not going to talk about quarterbacks. So, doesn't seem to be any questions from the audience. Great. Let's get started. All right, we're going to go with the defensive line. I am confident that in the change to a four-man front, especially with the addition of this new newly defined edge position, the individual abilities of the edge players, the Garrett Nelsons, the O'Shawn Mathises, the Caleb Tanners, and even unproven guys like Jamari Butler and Blaze Gunnarsson. Gives me hope for a stronger, more aggressive defensive line. Is my confidence misaligned? No, I don't think so. I, I, I agree with you on that part. Um, and some of the guys we've talked to says all those guys being in the same room – does help with some of the communication breakdowns that we hit, saw last year. My concern is on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, you know, we talked all off season, uh, early in the spring about how we were concerned about depth on the defensive line. We lost a couple of guys. We replaced those guys with maybe maybe more talent. Our interior might be more talented than it has been, but we didn't add more bodies. Depth is still a concern of mine there. We, we have talent. Uh, I think our first, our, our, our first couple of guys and our, you know, I think our two deep is pretty solid, but at the defensive tackle position, just because of what goes into there, I think you need to be three to four guys deep to be really confident. And I'm not sure we're there yet. Not, not sure we're there just because of some of the unknowns. Is that, I mean, we have, Ty Robinson, right? We've got Stephon Wynn. Yep. 
Uh, Nash. We've got Nash. Devin Drew has come in, and although he's he's not going to be ready to play an entire game, it sounds like his ability and where he was was probably better than what anybody could have hoped for. Yeah, which does excite me. But still Colton a- Colton Feist. I mean, we've got we've got some names here, but it's all unproven. Okay, even Stephon Wynn is unproven. Ty Robinson is is the most proven out of that group. Uh, and we talked to talk to Ty, and he says, I, I have to do more. I have to be better. Uh, I'm just, I'm really concerned about the unprovenness on that interior. Well, if, if, if things can go together, really, and we'll get to the other groups, obviously, but if that, if those two guys inside can take up multiple players, can even get some penetration, can disrupt some things in the middle and let, the guys on the edge do what they're supposed to do. They're they're doing their job, and and ideally, if we're rotating a couple guys in, and the and the drop off isn't very significant, especially early in the season, that that proves and gives us even more confidence as the season grows. So yeah, um, no, it, it's it'll be interesting. I'm excited about the defensive line. It's you know it's coming in and taking shape as with the new system. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. All right, Drake, let's uh, transition here to the next level on that defensive side of the ball with the linebackers. What are you confident in with these linebackers? Well, I mean, you have two two returners that combined for 209 tackles with uh, Heinrich and Reimers. I think, I think that group is experienced. I think that group was very underrated last year. You obviously lose JoJo Doman. Uh, I think Caleb Tanner kind of rotates in between edge and outside linebacker a little bit just because he he's a freak athlete. Uh, I'm I'm very, you know, this this is a group that I'm super excited for. You have Nick Henrich. You also have Grant Taggy has been getting getting a little bit more talk uh, in the camp. Uh, Luke Reimer, Randolph Kapai, uh, Maga Clements and, and true freshman. Ernest Hausman and then uh, Makai Bayer. I think all of those guys have have a, the ability to to perform on the field. You also have a couple of guys that are are fringe. I, I don't think we're going to see four linebackers on the field all the time, right? We've kind of talked about this. We think we're going to see four two five a lot more. Uh, and so I kind of want to throw Buddha right into this group because I think he's going to be the guy to kind of fill in for JoJo, and I think he has every ability to do that. Uh, this group, they're fast. They can cover, and they, they love the contact, which is, is what gets me the most excited. That group just that, – that was – we could talk about how great the secondary is, and we will get there. I think that group was the most underappreciated, not only in the conference, but the most underappreciated group on that team last year. This is the beauty of this exercise because everything you just said that is a confidence for you is exactly my concern. Luke Reimers, Nick Henrik, what is the depth behind him? It's not that there aren't guys. It's the fact that there are more unproven guys, young guys that are ready to go. Are they going to be ready to go, rather? We don't know. They tell us they are. Coaches feel pretty good about the, the guys that you mentioned. Garrett Snodgrass banged up a little bit in the spring. Will he be ready to go? Seth Malcolm, young. Ernest Hausman, special teams extraordinaire this season and probably getting some good run at linebacker, but is he going to be ready to hold up to, to what the level is? You know, 
they've taken guys like Chris Kolarovic and moved him over to that nickel position. Um, you, you mentioned Buda Wright. My concern is if, and one of the coaches, I think it was maybe Applewhite this week, said it's not if, but when a running back has to take a, a break, gets banged up a little bit. Same thing with these linebackers. They're going to be tasked with, with a lot. Um, and they're going to need spells. They're going to need breathers. They're going to need um, some injury time. Will those other guys step in? So and also, I, a guy that I left out uh, who hasn't gotten a ton of run or publicity in the offseason is Millard South, Millard South's very own Gage Stanger. Uh, the, guy, the guy wants to win. Uh, he played quarterback in high school. He's coming here to play nickel and linebacker. I, I think a guy like him that just – and I feel like this entire linebacker room, we've talked to several of these guys, they all just really want to win. And I don't know that that group in the past has always been that way. Well, and I I think they were sometimes tasked with maybe doing too much. They were asked to do too much, I believe, with – how they set things up with everything was was schemed uh, the the pressure was really coming on on blitz calls mm-hmm. there you know it was it was almost predictable as a fan watching and you can make these predictions don't tell me that the the great minds on the other side of the ball weren't able to do that and and were ready and the you know just countered it real quick i i think those edge guys taking and you mentioned taking the pressure off uh those linebackers, giving them a little bit more freedom to, especially, you know, it all, we understand it all, it all fits together. But if the interior guys, like you mentioned, can do their work and hold those, those, those guys up and not let those linemen get to the, the backers and let them come in clean, give them time to read, get there. Those guys are going to be even more productive, Luke and, and Nick, specifically than they were last year and they were playing at a very 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 high level so you know if you if you look at those two defensive line linebackers though you put the, those guys together kind of you know like you said the edges coming out to off outside linebackers you throw the nickel guys in there depending on the down and distance whatever they're doing the potential's there to to have a a front six a front seven especially you know five months ago a way way better than than what we thought it was going to be so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break pace a few more bills we got to keep the lights on here in the church and when we come back we're going to talk about the defensive backs and we'll also jump over to the offensive side of the ball so we will be right back to church of the corn radio show on 1620 the zone join us after the break No, that's not the black shirts coming back out after a timeout on third down. It is the Church of the Corn here on 1620 to the Zone, brought to you by Rocky Stoner Design and Summit Medical Staffing. We are in the middle of our position group breakdowns, excuse me, breakdowns, uh, what we're confident in, what we still have concerns about, and we're going to finish up the defensive side of the ball with defensive backs. Drake, what are you confident with? in those defensive backs 
Well, I'm going to start by saying I think this is hands down the most talented group in the room. And uh, on the team, it's the most talented room. You have Tommy Hill, Tyreek Johnson, a former five-star transfer from Ohio State. Marquez Buford, who I think might be the best open field tackler on the team after what he showed on special teams last year. Miles Farmer, who's had a couple of big games. Alabama transfer Kane Williams. Quentin Newsom, Taman Lynham, uh, Braxton Clark, Omar Brown, Noah Pola Gates, uh, Kobe Bretts, and and so many more guys that that could see the field. I think this group is one of the bigger reasons why we are moving to an even man front and putting more defensive backs on the field. Uh, Plus, you have all the guys in the nickel that can also rotate here as well. I just think... While a lot of this group is unproven, you you lost uh, Dismuke, you lost uh, Deontay Williams, you lost Cam Taylor Britt. I think there's just so much talent in this room. A lot of it, again, unproven. But you have a guy who transferred from Alabama who and Ohio State to very winning programs in that same room to help lead those guys, whether they see the field this year or not. Uh, I'm totally impressed with miles farmer and some of the big games that he had quentin newsome looked good for most of the year last year tommy hill is highly regarded um out of arizona state i just think this this group is fast they're athletic they don't mind helping out tackling in the run game uh and travis fisher has shown his ability to make this room work with whatever pieces he has I guess I don't have much left to say. I mean, you <laughs> kind of covered it all. It was, you know, my, my question was going to be, can the defensive backs cover the loss of those two super seniors? You mentioned Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke, and then the Bengals' second-round pick, Cam Taylor Britt at corner. They have the guys in the room to do it. Are they going to be ready? Are your, is Omar Brown an FCS transfer going to be ready? Is guys that were backups last year stepping into that, the the first team lineup are they going to be there so i'm going to be looking and, and watching and waiting to kind of find out post game how are they communicating did it look like they had trust in each other were they able to to cover kind of read each other's uh, mannerisms were they reading each other's cues uh we're going to find out next week so um i i agree i think it's it's one of the most talented groups in the room uh there's a ton of depth as well can they figure out a rotation can they stay healthy, and can they lock down when they need to? So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Shall we jump to the? Well, uh, hold, on. I just want to add one thing. One of the most impressive things about this room to me is the overall size and length amongst these defensive backs. We have so many guys that are six between six foot and six four, which is not common in defensive backs. I think that we might struggle in some man-to-man coverages, but that length makes zone coverages so much more appealing. I could I could see it to you just the way that the system is shaking out. We're going to give we're going to give up some stuff intentionally in front of them, but I can't a lot over the top. I I think it's going to get wiped out. Um like you said if those guys can man-to-man match up, um we've seen some some insane individual abilities out of these guys in coverage over the in practice even games last year some of these guys making some unbelievable plays so 
Um, if that's the case, then then sky's then sky's the limit. Well, let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball. We will uh, get through a couple here. Uh, and then after our next break, we'll come back and finish it up. Let's start with the offensive line. I'm going to handle what I feel I'm confident in. We'll see where what you think and what you are concerned about. There, In my opinion, there's lots of capable guys in the room who will tell you they're ready whenever they, they get a chance. The depth is there. Desire is there. But is that is that enough? I don't think that necessarily screams confidence to me. But, you know, there's some sight unseen. But I have confidence in the promise of a retooled, reprogrammed offensive line scheme that will be more aggressive. It, it sounds like it's going to be nastier than it has been in the few years, except Jurgens, of course, Beef Jurgy. I even think we're going to be able to start counting pancake blocks again. That's the aggressiveness, firing off the ball, taking it to the defensive line instead of just trying to stand them up. What's your over-under on puking in game one? Uh, Northwestern guys? No, our guys. All of them. All of them. Huskers? Yeah. Not a one. <laughs> Not a one. Unless it's just early in the game and somebody's going to puke and rally. So Puke and rally. Yeah. Have you, have you met my pig, Bacon? <laughs> All right. So I, I'm, I'm convincing myself. I, I want to be confident in it. There's a lot of, of uncertainty. I'm not sure if, if I sound like I believe all of it. Maybe I'll, I'll you can you can probably pull me to the dark side here. What are you what are you concerned about with the offensive line? Well, I mean, let's just let's admit it. We have a pretty poor track record of of solid offensive line play from beyond even Mike Riley. Towards the end of Bo's tenure, the offensive line struggled. How dare you? You're blaming 2022 on Mike Riley again. No, I'm blaming the state of the program beyond that. I, I don't think Mike Riley was the problem with the offensive line. I think we have neglected offensive line for years. Um, we we get a guy into the pros here every once in a while. I just, I since the end of Bo Pelini's run, like toward the last couple of years, offensive line play struggled. And it has pretty much since the entire time we've been in the Big Ten. So I do love the Riola hire. I think it's it's been a mindset problem for us. But you lose a guy like uh, Newelli for the season because he failed the drug test. A lot of unproven guys. You have a lot of guys with a lot of experience too that were highly touted. But even those guys as a group, you know, I believe our offensive tackles both rated in the bottom 10 of the country last year. Is that just scheme? Is that talent is that coaching i i don't honestly have an answer for that and beyond that we we all talk about it you zach and i we each have a different five starting on that offensive line because nobody knows what's happening there and that's what worries me and i think you i think there's seven guys that are capable but the offensive line is riddled with injuries at every program every year and i'm really concerned about the depth beyond those starting five I mean, it's it, it's obvious that in, in quite a few of these defensive line, too, is the, the concern is also the the confidence. The confidence is also the concern. And right now, it's it's just a lot of unknowns. New coaches, um, players coming back from injury. There's just there's so much going on that we we don't know. 
which is a great way to to head, to stay on the offensive side of the ball, especially on that line of scrimmage, and talk about the tight ends. Yeah, and now, I also I'm going to ask you for your confidence. Yeah. without also just stealing my concern because <laughs> I I think they're probably going to match yeah. up, and we'll just go where it goes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also want to say, now I did just kind of hammer the offensive line. I've been very vocal. I'm not as concerned about the offensive line as a lot of people are. Uh, just based off some of the conversations we've had with players. Uh, but in the tight end room, my confidence is squarely on Sean Becton. Uh, you know, Travis Vokalek is, is a vocal leader in that, in that room and on the offensive side of the ball, it sounds like when he transferred over from Rutgers, a couple of articles, you know, pined him as a second tier Rob Gronkowski type of guy. Uh, we saw what Austin Allen could do last year and that's a big part of why Vokalek didn't get a lot of love because Austin Allen was that good. Uh, when is, um, don't, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going <laughs> to cut you off. I'm going to give my concern because it's going to well, open this up and we're going to go. And, now and my other can... thing is, you know, Chancellor Brewington's going to get involved in this offense as a receiver beyond lighting people up on the goal line. Stealing and, their souls. Yeah. He's ending a, their life. He's a wide receiver that hits like a tight end and a fullback and a linebacker all wrapped into one. So I, Sean Becton can get these guys ready, and that's where the majority of my conf- confidence comes from. Well, we're, we, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. My concern, very, very simple, and you, I know exactly where you're going with it. Who are the second and third best tight ends on the team who are healthy and ready to contribute next week? Which throws out Thomas Fedone. It, you know, Some of these guys that are on paper, they could be stats monsters in, in high school, really high, highly rated recruits but they're unproven and they haven't done anything. So for me, is it Chancellor Brewington, as you just mentioned? Is it Nate Borkercher? He's been talked up a lot. Uh, come in, you know, I don't care. It's cool. It's unique that he's from the same hometown as, as Austin Allen. But, you know, can we can we see it on the field? Is Chris Hook, Hickman healthy and ready to roll in his last go with the team? Where's A.J. Rollins fit in all AJ, of this? Exactly. Um, there are there are enough guys, but again, it's it's like a lot of the other positions. There's so many unknowns. Give me three good options at tight end. I think the offense looks a lot better, but will there be two or three good options? And I think that's pretty much kind of where your confidence is really really high in Vokalek, but it just it drops, it falls off because without Thomas Fedone, and we he's still unproven. Yeah, he's unproven. no, absolutely. I just, but the idea, but I really, really do like how you equated that to your confidence is, is in Becton. One of the best tight end coaches in the country. If, if There's I say, a reason he's the only one back from the offense. Exactly right. If, if he's going to have his, if we have to put the trust into him to have his guys ready to understand the playbook, um, I, that's, that's where I'm going to put my money. I also have, I, you know, I don't think that we give enough run to Whipple with this tight end group either. If he doesn't have three tight ends who are ready to go out and catch passes in a big stage, he's going to game plan around that, right? And we all think the the wide receiver room is pretty stacked, but I think I think a week from today you're going to see Vokalek out there catching passes. I think Brewington's going to get a couple of targets. Um, do I know who's coming up after that? No. Is Fedoni going to be ready for a red zone play? Who knows? Uh AJ Rollins might be the silent professional that none of us know about. Uh, Bo- Borkinger, I'm I'm 
butchering his name, and I'm sorry. But like you said, he's gotten a little bit of run and a little bit of chatter. I'm not concerned about tight ends two through five because with the rest of the talent on the offense, I think you're going to see more sets with multiple running backs and more wide receivers. So we'll talk about this when we get back. We have Fitz over here doing the 12-year-old potty dance. So we're going to take a bathroom break, and we'll be right back. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn. We are sponsored by Rocky Stoner Design and Summit Medical Staffing. We're going to continue with our offensive position group breakdowns. Who are you trying to seduce with that welcome back? That was my cursor was on the wrong spot. And (laughs) I had to slow the talk down, get a little uh, seductive in the in the vocal tones and Mrs. Fitz listening. (laughs) She never listens to me ever. Uh, Neither does Mrs. Future Drake. She finally gave Future in. Mrs. Drake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the, the wide receivers uh, before we dig a bigger hole than we're probably in. All right, Drake, what are you confident in with this wide receiving group? Uh, and I'm going to say, yes, you can say Coach Joseph. Go ahead. Okay, obviously Coach Joseph because of his track record uh, with what he's done with guys at LSU. But I'm super confident in the talent. Uh, we have a lot of new guys that haven't played here, but they have experience elsewhere. Trey Palmer was not a huge part of the offense at LSU, but showed ability when on the field, both on special teams and offense down there. Uh, you have Omar Manning, who's always going to be a question mark until he proves us wrong. Uh, Oliver Martin had a couple of big games last year. Can he stay healthy? You got Ramir Johnson, who's kind of moving into that duck R position that has shown the ability to be a great pass catcher. Uh, But one of the biggest positives for me, and finally it came out in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about it for a while, Marcus Washington, transfer from Texas, has great rapport with your starting quarterback, Casey Thompson. Uh, I like that a lot. I, I... Alante Brown was mentioned a ton by this coaching staff in the offseason when they were going out of their way not to to name individuals. And I, I expect a huge year from all of those guys. As a room, I don't know that we have a single guy break 1,000 yards because I think that room is so talented. Whereas in the past, we had Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman, to, oh, but they were the only two guys at that level. I feel like we have up to eight guys that can perform at that level which means you're not going to have one overbearing standout. Well, and and I completely agree. I love the top end of that wide receiving room. Um, five, six guys. The size, the strength, the talent in that room, it's evident. I, I, I think even when we talk about unproven or unproven in a Husker uniform, um, unproven with a new quarterback, unproven with a new offensive coordinator, unproven in a new system. But for me... My concern is the gap between those quote-unquote veterans, even guys with, with, with a lot of run at other schools, those transfers, and those more experienced players, and the gap then with the new young guys, for me, is just it's kind of scary wide. So if, if the guys that should excel and produce do so, then it, it becomes a different story. We're not relying 
on some of those young guys. Now, maybe one or two of those young guys. We've heard some of these names. You know, if they if they come in and they they want to cap them at their four games and and keep their red shirt for a few of them, by all means, let's do that. But if there's a guy that can get out on the field and do damage and has a good connection chemistry with with uh, Casey Thompson, then then I'm all for it. But if it's out of necessity, if the guys up the top aren't producing and we're just rotating guys in just to see who's going to do it, I, I don't think that's any different than the last few years. So I want I want that six or seven. I want those guys to be productive. I want them to be dependable. And I want to see those guys on the field as often as possible. And I'm going to feel a lot better. Okay, question. In your in your perfect world with that wide receiver room, how does it how does it break out in terms of yardage? Do you need one to two guys around a thousand yards, or is it four to five guys around five hundred yards? I was I think in my mind, you're probably gonna. I still think you're maybe gonna be a little bit closer to maybe one or two guys, eight to eight hundred, nine hundred, maybe one guy topping off around a thousand. Uh, but again, the, there's more weapons. Uh, but it also, you know, with what we're seeing and potentially going to see with that system, I think the other side then too is you could have four or five guys that are closer to six, seven hundred. Yeah, and have, I think which is for me, if you just told me that the Husker passing receiving yards were this number X, and it was a good, good big number, I don't care how they got there. I'm just I'm happy to to see that. I I totally agree, and I think Whipple, he's he's gonna pick one or two wide receivers that are gonna be his go-to in in big play big moments. And to me, that's what this team has missed the last couple of years is who can I go to? Basically, since Stanley Morgan left, who's the wide receiver that we can go to in a big moment? Uh, and I think I think this room has a lot of guys that can do that. Omar Manning has shown flashes. I mean, his touchdown catch at Oklahoma, that that was a big boy catch. That was an NFL catch. I'm excited for that room. But I also feel like I think just the passing game in general is going to look so much more crisp. Uh, you're going to have some running backs taking away some of those catches in those yards, and I'm totally fine with that as well. Well, we've got running backs left. Now, we've we've talked quite a bit. We've had the fortune to talk a lot of to a lot of the running backs on our podcast. We've talked a lot about them here. Uh, on Twitter, so we're just going to give a quick statement because we do have uh, our, our our friend, our recruiting expert, Brian Munson, coming up on the other side. So my concern is, can we get two guys to sent, to cement their hold on the spots as running back one and running back two? I think there's some depth, but I really just I, I want to be confident that there's one or two guys. What are you concerned about in 90 seconds or less, Drake? I'm just concerned about the overall rotation again. Ramir Johnson moving to that duck R is going to help them get on the field more. I think you're going to see multiple sets. And uh, I'm laughing. Sorry to interrupt. I, I just did a concern. I was supposed yeah. to be confident. I'm confident in the running back room. I'm confident in the talent. I'll, I'll do confidence. <laughs> there we go. I'm confident in the talent. I like Coach Applewhite. Uh, you have guys with different skill sets. You have uh, Jaco Eziant, who's the hammer. You have Ramir. Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant that all have a little bit running style, but they all have a little bit more speed. Uh, and then you have some young freshmen that can come in and potentially play too. And Emmett Johnson and AJ, uh, AJ Allen. Yeah. AJ Allen. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that room. I think, I think it's going to take off. 
Uh, my biggest concern with that room, though, is going to be offensive line play. Yeah, and, I, and I've said it too. I, I talked about the, having two guys. I want to see, and I, I will continue to say it until I see it, that we see a guy go on a run, have some great yardage in one game, and then maybe gets three or four carries the next game. Don't tell me that somebody that, that has the talent, has the ability, doesn't fit in the game plan against North Dakota. The game After plan they has run to fit all, all over Northwestern. I, I just think they need to be I – want, I, want I want a couple three down backs. I want guys that are going to be able to stay in the game. It's less predictable. Put a, put two or three guys. Maybe we see that inverted wishbone. Maybe we see the diamond. I mean, there's. I think the creativity can be there with the play calling, which is right in in Frost's wheelhouse. You you couple that with with what Whipple is able to do with with his game planning and isolating the strengths of the team. I think we're I think we're good to go. I I think Casey Thompson's going to get a little bit of input here with Whipple too on what he's comfortable with based on the talent around him. Because this is a do-or-die year for this staff and this program right now. So I think I think the coach is going to work really, really well with the players and finding out what they're comfortable with and game planning that way. Uh, when I was coaching, my, my favorite motto was, I don't care what the other team does. We're going to do what we do. And I feel like this staff kind of has that m- mentality this year. Well, we're going to find out in seven days. When we return, we're going to be joined by On Three's very own Brian Munson to talk recruiting here on Church of the Corn Radio Show on 1620 The Zone. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Boss State Farm Insurance. We are now joined by On Three's very own Brian Munson to help us get up to date on the world of recruiting. Brian, can you believe that we are seven days away from kickoff? Uh, it's about time. I mean, I think everybody's on edge. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's getting to be one of those things like where it's just you know it's, we've talked about it long enough. I think there's been so there's so many incredible storylines that are kind of going into the off season that went into they're going into this week, this coming weekend, and I think everybody's just you know bursting at the seams with anticipation to kind of see what's what's all going to going to happen with some of those storylines. Yeah, definitely. Brian, we talked a little bit about streaming services last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. With the uh new Big 10 TV deal is is Fubo going to have you covered with everything? I so far, yes. Um it's definitely something I've been keeping an eye on because I obviously I've been thinking about making the making the jump over to over to YouTube and then I've been also, looking at a couple of other ones too, just to see if I could just shop around a little bit, like you, you all, you obviously should. But um, so far, so good on this end. Yeah, so far the Big Ten Network is still covered on the Fubo side, and, and that's great. We're happy with it. Um, I, I think a lot of times with those over-the-top services, man, as long as your as long as your uh, internet service is is good, you're going to be happy with whatever you got coming into your house. Yeah, I agree. Brian, good morning. It's Fitz. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Good. Well, we're going to jump into recruiting. We don't have a, a ton today, but we do have a, a little fun part at the uh, little exercise at the end. We'll, we'll, we'll throw you away, so we'll see if you're ready for it. Um, I want to start with Ontario Thompson, Council Bluffs, Iowa Western Community College. Seems to be a name that just popped up this week for Husker fans. He visited last Sunday, did some testing, talked to Coach Frost, and then ended up receiving an offer from Coach Chenander. What can you tell us about this explosive player from across the river? Uh, you know, he's 
definitely a guy that's popped up and emerged. And um, I, I think that I think Nebraska has kind of they've kind of hit this spot in their overall process. And I'm going to answer your your Terrio question uh, along with basically the bigger picture. The bigger picture is I think that Nebraska's got maybe just a handful of guys that they're really still kind of you know. Uh, kind of recruiting that have taken official visits. You know, there's not many that, that are kind of out there. And I think that there's, you know, one or two guys that are kind of teed up for early official visits in September. And then you got a guy like Terrio Thompson. And Terrio is going to need to put some, put some things together. I think his offer is a, a little bit more of an evaluation offer still, but Nebraska wants to be serious about recruiting him. Not, not just because, I mean, he's obviously a very good player. He, I think it was the first 40 he had ever run uh, ever. And I think it was like a four, six. And I think he came in like at six, two or six, three and 275 pounds or something like that. So he's, he's a very athletic dude. And, uh, and I think that that's something that Nebraska has been kind of eyeballing. In fact, I'm, I'm just finishing up a piece on Riley Van Poppel. And it looks like Nebraska is maybe leaning more towards getting back to more of that 4-3 uh, style with some of these guys that they're recruiting because Riley's more of a three technique. I would put – I'd put Terrio someplace between playing – you know, playing that three and maybe sliding out to a five. I don't think he's really a four. He's certainly not a one. And so you try to find a, like, look at him and his, and his body type. And he's, he, he seems to be a guy that can do a couple different things, but mainly because of his athleticism, he's incredibly athletic. So I think that that's going to be a guy that, that Nebraska is going to continually evaluate. And they, they need to see some things from him this fall when it comes to his play over there at Iowa Western. And, and they have no chance. They have, they will have no problem, excuse me, featuring him on that defensive line because they're, they're going to have a solid team finish. Brian, I, I got the opportunity to talk to you this week on After Hours as well, and I think I yep. missed you by a day because the next day, uh, 2023 recruit Keon Keeley decommitted from Notre Dame. We kind of talked about what that uh, edge rusher position looked like in the recruiting standpoint. Rob asked yep. me on the show, can Nebraska get in on this Keon Keeley? Uh, what are your thoughts there? I, I just don't know if Nebraska's in the market. Now, I, I did mention in um, three and out on Wednesday that, you know, we caught up with Lenhart. And Lenhart's been really, really difficult to catch up with. Uh, he is he he is not the kind of guy that, that sees the sees a text message and just picks up and, and or sees a missed call and calls you right back. But he does eventually at some point you will get a phone call or a text message back. And Lenhart got hold of me last weekend and he's just not rushing to make any type of decision. He's he's still got Penn State and, and Michigan State and Nebraska right there. And I think that I think that, you know, you have to kind of sit back and think about what's happened with Ashley Williams and Cameron Lenhart. I mean Nebraska essentially, you know, had Williams let him walk he commits to Auburn. I think it's all because of where Nebraska is kind of at with their evaluation and how good they feel about Lenhart and his, you know, and the chances that they go ahead and get him. And they, of course, Nebraska, when, when Maverick Noonan had committed to them, you know, they told him like, look, it's you and one other guy at edge. That's it. So if, if, if things went south with Lenhart, um, certainly there, there, there could be a possibility for another edge, but, I don't, I don't see that happening at the moment. Um, I, I do feel like Lenhart is still the guy that Nebraska has circled and underlined twice. Now there is the possibility of grabbing a third edge, but that would be only if Nebraska lost O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson to the draft. And, 
you know, I think both those guys are like well, they were both preseason all uh, first team all all conference picks. So they're, they're certainly going to be viewed as being two of the best, you know, edge defensive end guys, you know, in the conference. Uh, it's just going to come down to how well he performed in the defense this year. So I, I still think it's still two high school guys with Lenhart being the the choice for the for the defensive staff and a third guy possibly if a couple guys decide to go pro. We're talking with on threes, Brian Munson. Uh, before we get to the fun part that I mentioned before, I do want to uh, kind of plug, you had a really good write-up uh, based on your conversation with Huskers 2024 quarterback commit William Pop Watson the third out of Massachusetts. Recall he was a Whipple guy from a long time ago before Whipple even arrived. So uh, take some time, Husker fans, check that out uh, under uh, on on three under football recruiting for Nebraska. But before we wrap things up we're a week away from the start of the husker season college football season so we have to wait to watch a a live game there going back to kind of how you've started the last few conversations over the last few weeks what will you be streaming on tv that's right we're officially introducing brian munson's streaming film session on church of the corn a few weeks ago it was a woodstock duck documentary last week i believe you took took on wolf of wall street at 9 a.m without a, a second thought what do you have for us this week? <laughs> right now, I am streaming the history of the Eagles. Uh, I've seen this show before, and like Eagles that fly like... or Eagles football team or the band? No, the the, the Eagles the band. Oh, there uh, we go. There so, we go. So it's a part, well, Don part Henley. One, part two doc- yeah, part one, part two documentary. Seen it a number of times before. Was flipping through. It popped up, and I go, "Huh, haven't watched this a little bit. Feeling a little nostalgic today." So. <laughs> Popped it on, and I am literally about three hours into this thing. I've been up for a while today. So, now, Brian, have you had uh, the chance to watch the Manti Teo doc yet? No, yes, because those connect. I, I just saw the preview for that, and I was like, I've been on the fence about it, but then I, because I, I saw just the little banner, but then I watched the preview for it, and I go, oh, dude, I got to watch that. So oh, man. that is definitely going to be on the on the list of things to get to. It's it's really good. I, I I only saw about half of the first episode before I had to turn it off. It but really good. So it, far. It's good, yeah. Uh, they I I don't want to give anything away. We'll talk about it after you watch it. And and I did I bought I bought Elvis, and I'm looking forward to Maverick coming out this week too. I've seen them both in the theaters, but both were were two of the better movies I've seen in my life. So looking forward to rewatching those movies as well. So are you a so based on the Woodstock now this Eagle ones are are you a do you kind of find yourself drip, gravitating towards some music documentaries quite often? I love I love music documentaries. I have watched. Um, I just watched the uh, uh, oh geez, uh, um, Oasis one a week or two ago. I watched the Pearl Jam twenty over and over and over again. I watched a couple different ones with the Foo Fighters. Um, so I'm kind of that '90s guy yeah. put into the put into the pond with the, the classic rock, you know, and and also some stuff that was a little little newer, so '90s stuff. But yeah, Oasis, grunge rock, and classic rock, and and not not a lot in the country music documentaries, but I love country. You are uh, you are you are right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it's uh, I'm I'm aging myself, but that's that's all right. Have you and you probably have? It's been out a long time, but have you had a chance to? To watch Tom Petty's "Running Down a Dream" documentary, I have, I haven't, and I, I went and saw him in concert three times. I, I feel bad telling you that. Is it really good? It's, it's good. It's, it's worth it. And then a newer 
item that's there and it's still with Tom Petty, but it's, it's Jacob Dylan. It's some other people. There's the Laurel Canyon one. Um, oh, I've seen the two Laurel Canyon ones. Those were yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so, and it, so there's that one. And then there's the other one that's just more documentary. ish Yeah. Yeah. But the way that they, they, they stage that in terms of having the record, you know, talking about songs and really kind of driving what, what, to the extent of what the songs were about and kind of how they, they came to be. That was, that was really cool. So, Drake's kind of Drake's looking at me like, uh, can you talk about music from the last ten years? <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I have a question no. for Brian. Okay. All right, here comes Conrad, Conrad dropping coming in. from the top rope. Brian, uh, in your man yeah. cave, do you have a shelf dedicated to old episodes of Behind the Music? I, you know what, this is sad. I was actually watching some old Behind the Music on. There's a YouTube channel that that's basically we got those recorded, so you can go on there. And check those out. One of my favorite episodes is Metallica. So I think I've watched it a number of times uh, over and over again, you know, going back to the Cliff Burton days. So um, I, I love watching old reruns of Behind the Music. Man, I feel so old. I have it's, no it's, idea what we're talking about. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk next week. We'll talk about pop-up video. <laughs> Dude, I one. love me some pop-up video. <laughs> Still no clue, gentlemen. Still no clue. This is this is fantastic. This is fantastic. This is great well, sports radio, by the way. <laughs> Brian, have you had a chance to watch the Fire Festival documentary yet? Since we talked about Woodstock. No, I have not. I you guys are giving me so much stuff. I don't know if there's enough hours in the day for me to do this. Plus, my bills are on at the end today, so I'll, I'll be <laughs> plopped down again watching that one. I, uh, you know, I, a lot of the documentaries I watch, I hope my boss isn't listening, but it's just running on the background while I'm in my office. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. I, I, I will tend to do the same thing too, or just turn the TV on and let it go. So there's yeah. nothing wrong with a little ambient noise. Well, Brian, we, uh, we talked a little recruiting, we talked, uh, streaming services and we've talked documentaries. I think we've pretty much hit everything that we are required by law to talk about this morning, and that was a lot of fun. So with, this was uh, On Three's reporter, recruiting reporter, guru extraordinaire, Brian Munson. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Brian, have a great weekend, and next week we will have college football. We will talk a little bit more about college football and take it a little more seriously next weekend. Have a great weekend, guys. Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. All right, members of the congregation, don't go anywhere. When we come back to Church of the Corn here on 1620, we're going to discuss our top three must-haves for tailgates. We will be right back. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back, everyone. Time to gather around while we talk tailgating. We're going to wrap up today's service with our top three must-haves for tailgates or pregame. Tailgating can be a little tricky to navigate because there are so many options and things to consider. So because I know how things work, I'm going to set some conditions for this little exercise and make it easy. You go to a tailgate or your garage, patio, basement, neighbor's house, or just stay at your mom's house, Drake, wherever you are, (laughs) what are the top three things you want to be there? Meatloaf does not count. Mom, the meatloaf! Um, No, my number three is access to a TV uh, on the off chance. Nebraska has a late afternoon or a night game and I'm at this tailgate all day. I need to be able to watch some football as I have probably been over to the river at some time in the last 24 hours and place some bets. I need to be able to watch some of that football 
instead of just trying to manage scores on my phone. It's it's very reasonable, and I and I get it. Two thousand twenty-two. It's pretty easy to do that as well. Uh, phones, monitors, TVs, throwing them up on the side of an RV. Everything you have. All right. My number three is games, and not the games that Drake is watching. It's your famous tailgate games. My mind, you have complete strangers, especially guys, fans from both teams. If there's a few tailgate games, nothing brings people together, especially a group of guys who really just want to stand around and drink some beers. They'll talk. They'll have fun. A uh, few arguments ensue. They might but, fight. Well, and, and maybe, but you know what? The, the best part, though, even if there aren't any games, we're going to make ours up real quick. Like, how far can you throw this glass bottle and not let it break on the concrete? Whatever it might be, we've, we have a way, and we, we come together over, over some games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my number two is your spread of food. There has to be some form of pulled pork, barbecue, pulled, pulled chicken, whatever, hot dogs, brats, wings, and if it's a Nebraska tailgate, obviously you have to have some corn. Because it is the greatest. A more beautiful thing. <laughs> it's corn. So, so a lot of meat, no veggie. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So you're you have you haven't gone vegan and you're not into your vegetables. Nope, not not a big veggie fan. My number two is sticking in the same light. It's it's almost like we we knew each other's thoughts here. Hot dogs and brats. It's quick. It's easy. Everyone can dress it up however they like. Even our co-host, Zach, who probably likes his hot dogs Buffalo Bill style with a little fava beans and nice Chianti, tucks that right in there, puts a little ketchup and mustard on it. Yeah, signs Puts the lotion fans. on the skin. <laughs> in the basket. Put the lotion in the basket. All right. What's your number one? Uh, the booze. It's got to be booze. Uh, you can't tailgate without booze. That's that's good point. There's unfortunately there's a lot of things we probably can't do without without the booze. Watching football, tailgating. Yeah, and you know, depending lawn, on how the season goes, I, I might the driveway require, in the winter. Oh, if ahead. I want to be angry, I'm going to require fireball and tequila. If things are going well, I'm going to sit down with bourbon and beer. So last year's Husker season was a lot of fireball and tequila. Yeah, I, I avoided the tequila, but there was a lot of fireball. Right. Well. Drake now has stock in Fireball. I do, and I hate it. I hate Fireball so much. Well, on the same exact line of thinking, my number one is beer. Uh, what I don't care what whatever it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink it. Um, somebody's nice enough to invite me, and they they're gonna offer me a, a beer. Um, free is best. Cold is 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 second. Is second. Um, and uh, if somebody even opens it for me, that's that's great. But I will put in the effort to open my own. Uh, if I got a choice, though, for me, I'm kind of I'm I'm picking my beers. I'm matching them to kind of the weather, kind of the game itself, and maybe where I'm at. You know, Sam Adams Oktoberfest hit that mid September. Maybe it's a little little cooler outside. There, you know, it's it's easy. So, I'm glad you went there because I was going to say at a tailgate, it cannot be. Craft beer. I'm sorry, Fitz. I know. You, I know you like to do. Did your you home say brew. crap beer? Craft. Oh, okay. I know. I, I know you list a bunch of crap beer. I know you're a home brewer. Um, but no, nobody wants that at a tailgate. Keep the IPAs out of the tailgate. No, I agree. When you, you talk about longevity, you talk about duration, you talk about lasting and staying power. Mm-hmm. You've got to go with with 
maybe like a, a bush light. You've got to go with, you know, something like that. But, you know, you just, or you could be an adult and just figure out how to handle it. Well, yeah, but uh, you know how that goes. Well, the nice thing is, though. Are you a big shotgunning guy? Do you like to shotgun your beers at the tailgate? Uh, no, I'm I'm not 20 anymore. Neither am I, but I still love to do it. I, I, I honestly, I, I can tell you right now, if we want to bring this full circle, I guarantee you the last time I shotgunned a beer, I turned into an offensive lineman. Okay, well, uh, when we have our Church of the Corn tailgate, you and I are shotgunning together. How do you shotgun a craft beer bottle? <laughs> craft beer is not allowed, <laughs> All right. Sir Fitzwell. I guarantee, and I, I, I'm probably not the only one, and we'll we'll discuss it more next week. But I guarantee I'm going to have a Guinness next week, before or during the Huskers versus Northwestern game. Because did you know it's in Ireland? I, I did not know that. I think I think we got to all celebrate kickoff with an Irish car bomb. Oh, that could that could spin that day out real real quick. Conrad's looking at me. He's bringing all the materials in. We're gonna do them right here in studio. In studio, that'd be a great send off. That would be a great send off. Congregation, get your Baileys ready. Get your Guinness ready. We will do them as a group. Wow, that's not that's not a bad idea at all. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully that helped you. I, I guarantee we didn't need to help you figure out what you're gonna do hey, for your what. Real quick, give me a score prediction next week. Huskers a lot, Northwestern a little. I'm going to give you the exact number next week. Okay. I'm going 42 to 7. Conrad? 42 10. Um, I am going to bet the Huskers 37 to 21. Wow. So you have them covering the 12. Sure. It's a lot <laughs> of points from your. Northwestern Kitty Cats. We'll, we'll find out more next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to connect with us on Twitter and check out the awesome Church of the Corn podcast episodes that have been loaded and ready to go. Uh, the next one will be dropping next Friday morning, just in time to get you ready for next week's kickoff. Thanks so much for joining us on Church of the Corn radio show. For Fitz, for D-Rake, you got anything left to say? I'm good. All right. Church of the Corn, members of the Corn Congregation, we will see you next week. Go Big Red.